Section 18 of the Central Period of the Middle Age by Beatrice A. Lees. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 11 Frederick Barbarossa and the Lombard Communes, 1152 to 1190, Part 2. In October, the Emperor, finding the northern and eastern passes blocked by the Confederates, entered Italy by the Montseigneur route, which was held by his ally, the Count of Savoy. He burnt Susa and advanced through Turin and Asti upon Alessandria. The imperialists laughed at the feeble defences and thatched roofs of the new town and called it the City of Straw, yet the brave inhabitants held out all through the winter and when in the spring of 1175 the army of the league marched to its relief frederick was compelled to raise the siege the city of straw had shown itself a city of iron the lombards hesitated to attack the imperial army and a truce the peace of montebello was concluded in hopes of arriving at a peaceful settlement neither side would yield enough to make agreement possible and hostilities were resumed though reinforcements came to frederick from germany his most powerful vassal henry the lion refused to help unmoved by a personal appeal from the emperor but pavia the marquis of montferrat and como had returned to their allegiance genoa and pisa supported frederick and his lieutenant christian archbishop of mainz had won over a great part of central italy and was holding the sicilian normans in check the fate of the league hung in the balance when the emperor marched south from como to effect a junction with the forces of pavia and montferrat the milanese determined to prevent this combination at all costs and with their allies prepared to intercept the imperial army three hundred noble milanese youths vowed to defend the caraccio with their lives and a band of nine hundred formed the company of death sworn to conquer or to die on march twenty ninth eleven seventy six the great battle of legnano was fought on the plain between the rivers olona and ticino to the northwest of milan the lombards broke under the charge of the german cavalry and the carroccio itself was in danger when the company of death rushed forward and retrieved the fortunes of the day the imperial standard-bearer fell before their impetuous onslaught the waverers rallied and the imperial army was thrown into disorder and completely routed the emperor escaped to pavia though for several days it was thought that he had been killed and his wife put on mourning for him with his usual wisdom frederick now bowed to necessity and recognized the impossibility of crushing the lombard cities he reconciled himself with alexander the third and was released from excommunication and in a solemn congress at venice he concluded a six years truce with the league and a fifteen years truce with the king of sicily on august first eleven seventy seven just a hundred years after the scene at canossa pope and emperor met at venice before the splendid cathedral of st mark frederick in the words of a contemporary historian touched by the spirit of god laid aside his imperial dignity and prostrated himself at the feet of the pope alexander with tears in his eyes raised the emperor from the ground 
gave him the kiss of peace and led him into the cathedral to the sound of the te deum and the pealing of bells the story that the pope set his foot on frederick's neck with the words thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet is of later growth the pope's own letters show that he had no thought of triumphing over the emperor or of endangering his hard-won victory by pride and arrogance he returned to rome where the anti-pope submitted to him and his feeble successor a nominee of the nobles was banished to a monastery when alexander the third died in eleven eighty one the schism was at an end and he was recognized as pope by the whole of western christendom the conclusion of the peace of constance between the emperor and the league in eleven eighty three after the expiration of the six years truce set the seal upon the proceedings at venice in eleven seventy seven frederick gave up to the cities all the regalia of royal rights which they then enjoyed or had enjoyed in the past these included rights of peace and war of erecting fortifications and of exercising criminal and civil jurisdiction the cities were to elect their consuls who were then to be invested by the emperor and this investiture was to be repeated every five years all citizens between the ages of fifteen and seventy were to take the oath of allegiance to the emperor and all imperial vassals were to do him homage judicial appeals were in the more important cases to go to the local representative of the emperor the cities were to help the emperor to maintain his rights against all who were not members of the league when he came into lombardy they were to render the customary fodrum to keep the roads and bridges in repair and to provide him with a market the emperor on his side was not to make an unnecessary stay in any town or diocese the right of the cities to fortify themselves was specially recognized and their right to maintain the league and to renew it but they were to take an oath of fealty to the emperor every ten years these terms were granted to seventeen cities venice was independent and eight cities were already the emperor's allies among them was alessandria which had made a separate peace earlier in the year and had tried without much success to change its name to caesarea as a compliment to the emperor the peace of constance represented a compromise in which on the whole the cities were the gainers the emperor was still their overlord and sovereign to whom they owed allegiance obedience and tribute yet they had won important local privileges and legal recognition of their position as an order of free self-governing communities a factor which would have henceforward to be reckoned with in all political calculations when frederick barbarossa returned to germany in eleven seventy eight after the peace of venice he found that local feuds had revived and private wars had been resumed as soon as his strong hand was withdrawn the long absences of the emperor in italy and his preoccupation with the affairs of the south had left henry the lion free to build up an almost royal power in the north which had provoked the jealousy of the saxon nobles the descendant of the billungs and of lothair the second henry seemed foreordained to carry on the policy of the saxon emperors to extend the german frontier to the east and to subdue and civilize the slavs 
he had taken an active share in the emperor's early italian expeditions in eleven fifty four and eleven fifty nine but from eleven sixty one onwards he devoted himself to the administration of his duchies and the establishment of his authority in bavaria and saxony in the north he utterly broke the power of the slav princes they learnt said a contemporary that the lion is strongest among beasts and turneth not away from any he colonized and christianized the lands which he conquered germans and flemings settled among the slavs and new bishoprics were founded in the northeastern provinces he made an alliance with the king of denmark against the slav pirates of the baltic sea encouraged naval enterprise and commerce wrested the port of lubeck from count adolf of holstein gave it great privileges and opened up the baltic trade in bavaria he pursued a similar policy of eastward expansion and commercial development and munich owes its foundation to him he was the prince of the princes of the land wrote a german chronicler he bowed the necks of the rebels and broke their castles and made peace in the land he built strong fortresses and gathered together a monstrous fortune it was this monstrous fortune with the avarice and pride of henry and his vast territorial power which made his rule intolerable to the saxon nobles as early as eleven sixty six led by albert the bear they conspired against him and not till eleven sixty eight when the emperor himself intervened was peace restored in this same year henry was married to the daughter of henry the second of england and when in eleven seventy death relieved him of his hereditary adversary albert the bear he rather than frederick barbarossa seemed to be the king of northern germany the slav lands from elba to baltic as far as schweren and mecklenburg were a saxon colony studded with towns castles and churches the wild slav tribes obeyed the great duke as a horse obeys his rider in eleven seventy two he was even able to leave saxony and go on pilgrimage to the holy land six years later all was changed the emperor was assailed on his return from italy with complaints of the oppression and tyranny of the lion of the north though there is no evidence to show that frederick bore malice for henry's refusal to follow him to the south he no longer took his side against his enemies summoned to answer before the diet henry three times failed to appear he was put to the ban of the empire declared guilty of high treason and sentenced to forfeit his duchies he held out until eleven eighty one when after the capture of lubeck he made humble submission to the emperor and was exiled for three years the saxon duchy was divided and relapsed into feudal anarchy in eleven eighty five henry who had found a refuge with his father-in-law the king of england returned to germany only to be exiled again in eleven eighty eight and from eleven eighty nine to eleven ninety to engage in a hopeless struggle to recover his lost duchy in eleven ninety he was reconciled to the new king henry the sixth and five years later he died at brunswick where a bronze lion set up during his lifetime still commemorates his fame the years of henry the lion's deepest humiliation were the period of frederick barbarossa's greatest power 
in eleven eighty four he went to italy for the sixth time and on january twenty seventh eleven eighty six the city of milan once the victim of the emperor's stern justice saw the marriage of frederick's eldest son henry to constance the heiress of the sicilian throne and his coronation as caesar or joint emperor with his father with the pope lucius the third and after his death in eleven eighty five with his successor urban the third frederick's relations were unfriendly they quarrelled over the matildine lands and over the coronation of the young king henry but the popes were weak and frederick had the romans on his side the states of the church were ravaged by the germans and the excommunication of the emperor was only prevented by the news of the capture of jerusalem by the turks which reached europe in the autumn of eleven eighty seven all else was forgotten in the desire to recover the holy sepulchre frederick who forty years earlier had followed conrad the third in the second crusade took the cross in eleven eighty eight and started for syria in eleven eighty nine at the head of a great host on june tenth eleven ninety he was drowned in the river salaf in asia minor at a spot where it was said in after days a rock bore the prophetic inscription here shall perish the greatest of men hic hominum maximum peribit he died for what to a christian knight of the twelfth century was the noblest of causes and it was no unworthy end for one who with all his practical ability had never throughout a long life lost sight of his youthful ideals the legend that the old barbarossa was not dead but sleeping in an enchanted sleep till the time should come for him to restore germany to her former glory was first told of barbarossa's grandson frederick the second and was only transferred to frederick in the sixteenth century and made popular by a nineteenth-century ballad yet the red beard has lived in the memory of the german people as the type of a good king and a great emperor a warrior who loved war as a means to peace prompt in action wise in counsel devout charitable business-like a mighty hunter a builder of churches and palaces a student of history and of the brave deeds of his ancestors simple in his tastes and strenuous in his habits his biographer records as his most marked characteristic that throughout his reign nothing was dearer to him than the restoration of the roman empire to its ancient power he looked on himself as in a very real sense the heir of charles the great who was canonized at his request in eleven sixty four by the anti-pope pascal the third his decrees were inserted in the roman civil law the corpus juris civilis in his reign the phrase holy roman empire sacrum imperium was first officially used yet this period of revival of imperial claims was also a time of prosperity for the german kingdom peace was enforced by imperial ordinances landfrieden agriculture and commerce developed and towns grew in wealth and importance national pride and patriotism found expression in popular vernacular literature in the splendid epic of the nibelungenlied instinct with the whole spirit of chivalry of love and of heroic valour 
in the lyrics of the Minisinger or love poets, and in the songs of the wandering minstrels, or jongleurs, while side by side with the Latin histories of Otto of Freising and his continuators appeared a rhymed chronicle in the German tongue, the famous Kaiser Chronique. End of section 18